What's up, everybody? Uh, Code Pen Radio 365. This is a a a a sad one for me, perhaps bittersweet for for Claire. I have Claire with me. What's up, Claire? Hey, Chris. As you all are listening to this, Claire is already gone because there's a delay in, in in podcasting, releasing, and recording. Claire, this you're you've you've taken a job at GitHub. This is your this is the end at CodePen. That's right. Almost four years at CodePen. That's great. So, so part of this is me just like I thought we'd just live conduct the exit interview. You know, <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> More like just uh, just thank you for all the work you did here. It was a long time. You've done so much at CodePen. So it was just uh, awesome to have you here. And I thought we'd grab you for the podcast and just talk about what some of that work was and and just celebrate it a little bit and wish you well before that move over to GitHub, which we could talk about a little bit too, although you haven't actually started yet. So, right, it'll be True. <laughs> a little hard to know. Um, you know, it was almost four years ago, just to speaking of four-year chunks, that we did this for Mr. Jake when he moved on. Didn't he like... He left right as you were starting. You had like one week of overlap or something weird like that. Oh, or maybe it was more not than even. that. It was a few months, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, right on. Uh, it's just a tradition we have now, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, what's wh- what's up? What do you think of as like some of the big moments of, of work at CodePen? Yeah, it was interesting. I was thinking back today of when I first started and the things that I was working on and looking back and seeing what CodePen looked like when I first joined four years ago versus what it looks like now. And it's it's crazy just to think about the difference between the two because we have changed a lot. We changed how the homepage, the entire like logged out homepage changed, the logged in homepage changed. Mm-hmm. We updated all the social feeds. It's now easier to access all your work and people are using what we previously called the dashboard much more frequently now. Yeah. Th- those are some of the first ones I thought of too. Is just so the logged out homepage is one thing, right? Because it's like very present and a lot of people see it and, and and all that. But it's kind of funny, like once you're a member, and for us who like work on CodePen, I feel like we don't even see it that often. Exactly. You're like, yeah, you're like once like, you're a member, you're not seeing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're ju- you're just in, and that's kind of just a choice we made. It's funny how other apps don't don't always do that. Even on like this app we're using to record this podcast. Riverside, or maybe it is, this is one. Of, but have you ever seen that where like the base URL just like is always the homepage, whether you're logged mm-hmm. in or out? And then if whatever the application is, is sometimes at like app.application.com or something. So it's you always like can see what the homepage is, even if you're logged in. Anyway, I feel like it's a weird choice. Yeah, but it, it makes sense because the things that you want to, the information that you're wanting to know as somebody who is already joined a site is far, far different than the information you need to join. So it makes sense to me. Yeah. It's like, it also, there's so little, there's so little value there once you're, once mm-hmm. you're logged in. And, and like, because we serve developers, if anybody wants to see that page, they know darn well how to make a new incognito oh, yeah. window in two <laughs> seconds. <laughs> but anyway, that was a big deal. I mean, the new homepage was, was big, but of course the logged in homepage, we're all just like way more excited about. We used to get I'm sure you remember, it was like constantly people are like, it's impossible to get to my own work, which we never exactly. hear ever anymore. Nobody ever has that feedback anymore. So we People did just it. had no clue. They had no clue how to access their work 
they just were like, I was working on this thing and I don't know where it is anymore. Yeah. And one of the big changes that we did was so small. It was a change of renaming dashboard to your work. Your work. That's amazing. And it had such great impact. It did. It's like one of the few cases of, okay, we can change this immediately. And the impact is just far outweighs the amount of work that you put into it. Yeah, totally. And But of course, architecturally, it was, it, there was some, <laughs> there's always more work than you want it to be, you know, picking up <laughs> an area of the site and moving it to somewhere else. And because we're always, you know, re-architecting things and yada, yada. But so that always slowed. I mean, that was always, it's not like it's at odds, but I feel like that's pretty common is that like, it, it almost slows down a design process because we can like make those decisions like, oh, we'll put it here. And then, and then of course, four months later, it ships, you know, because <laughs> you wish you, we could move a little quicker, but we're not that slow, but we're in our old age, we're a little slow. It just kind of gives you the time to make sure that you're making the right decision, I think. And to anticipate like how things are going and make sure that, you know, the things that we're working on are the right things instead of just like, deciding to do something and immediately doing it. Uh, the logged in homepage has that, you know, following trending and that's what you mean by social feeds. Those are all kind of new yeah, and were exactly. rethought and had, they have new technology behind them. I mean, think of what's involved there. I mean, it was like, there was a bunch of design work and then the way that it like slides and preloads content is like a whole other thing. And the way that you know, machine learning powers it is a whole nother piece of technology. It's like a lot of stuff has to come together to make these things happen. And it's, it's a big deal exactly. when they get done. And before we redid all of that, people were not using following. I was looking back at some of the research that I had done for that project. And I had surveyed people on what sort of content they were looking for on CodePen and there were three options and one of the options was I like to follow people and nobody chose that option which is just crazy to think about and mm. then I was looking at some of the data that Marie had pulled and the amount of, of people who follow other people and uh, the following connections basically exploded overnight once we improved that feed. So that also had giant impacts. Yeah, it did. It did. Now it's my favorite. I mean, for real, I mean, I'm just one user of CodePen, but like I like have invested enough time in following people on CodePen and know how this feed works and know how like, like there's pretty much just advantages to following people whose work you like that like feel free to smash that mm -hmm. follow button. No need to keep those numbers low because you're just going to be rewarded with great work um the more you do it and that's great and also that like interesting people to follow thing is also powered by you know cool secret backend technology that suggests other users and you're right man that's one of the like the most hockey sticky things at codepen that's ever happened is the right rocket ship of people following each other which is very satisfying the numbers just completely change and it's it's just crazy to see mm-hmm so to make this stuff happen, it's like, we don't just be like, oh, let's redesign the grid. It's like, it's almost like a composition of componentry that comes together to do this too. Like there's an, a, you know, a card essentially, an item card and a collection card and a user card and all that stuff that we're all redesigned to come together in a grid and there's different kinds of grids and all that stuff. That's a design system. And you like really are in charge of that. 
and in fact it was it was sometimes it's a, like a little especially because you never ha- you never got you that like team of designers here at CodePen. You're kind of <laughs> alone on team design a lot of times. It wasn't as it's not as obvious to to everyone what it takes to make that stuff happen. So like you use Figma as a design tool, or at least (laughs) that's just what we chose early on. And so far, so good, right? You like, you know, we just had a meeting about it this week to like make sure, you know, knowledge transfer stuff happens before you go. And that designs, it really is a system. Like all that stuff is expressed in Figma very eloquently as componentry in Figma and it's like you designed and like essentially coded that to to make it go. And I don't know. I just felt like talking about that. Like that design work doesn't just happen. That's true. And you have to be really intentional about about that as well because you have to know what are the trade-offs between investing into a system of components or a design system versus the work the actual uh, product work that you're going to be doing because there are trade-offs that you have to make there and, you know, investing more into design infrastructure is going to take you away from the product stuff, especially uh, as uh, Mm. the designer at CodePen. So, but investing in design infrastructure is also going to speed things up in some ways. So there has to be like some sort of trade-off. And I feel like the the biggest lesson that I learned while at CodePen was understanding the opportunity cost of all the things that I had to work on. Mm. Yeah, everybody here has to face that battle a lot. There is a lot of like, if I work on this, then this is being sacrificed kind of thing. It comes up in a right. lot of conversations. Because it, it can be tricky, and I think we've we've gotten it wrong so many times in the past that it's it's brought us to like every decision leads you to where you are today, and it's like how many like long drawn out conversations have we had about perhaps some little feature that then it bears out that so few people ever use, and it has hurt our technical debt and yada yada. Yet we don't have some other like core feature that obviously people want, which just means that you've squandered your opportunity cost or whatever. Right. And like a lot of times it can be, you can like feel that pull of, oh, I really want to work on this one feature because I feel like it's going to have a lot of impact, but like without really knowing or understanding like the numbers behind it, like it's only going off of your intuition and, Mm. you know, I feel like we did make a lot of progress in the past four years as well in trying to research more, pull in more data. I did a bunch of uh, qualitative uh, interviews and and user mm-hmm. research. Maria's pulled in a, a bunch of quantitative data and we've we've added way, way, way more testing to actually get those numbers so that we can make much more informed decisions instead of just going by our gut too. Right. Yeah, we got dashboards, we got you know, click chart stuff. You know, we just did a podcast the other week with with Shah, who put in this like ability to make a fork in a new tab, which seems like the world's smallest little feature, and it kind of is. But like, not in the past, we maybe would have just done it, but this time we did it and, and are tracking it too, because it's like we're adults now, and we like to make sure that the features that we work on have data associated with them, so we know if it matters or it doesn't. Yeah, pretty great. So you're leaving us behind a pretty robust system of design such that I, I don't know it's just like that's nice right that's like a nice leave behind is is something that's that 
that codified. Like if somebody wanted to mock out some new page on CodePen, they couldn't possibly be in better hands with the system that's sitting there now. You can just pretty much just drag around components to build anything. Yeah, it feels good too to leave behind something. And, you know, I feel pretty confident in in the work that I am leaving behind that the future of CodePen is in a really good place. And I feel really confident in that future even without me. Hmm, nice. It was cool to see some of the some of that kind of componentry get there was, you know, there's long periods of sprinkling, you know, like you we redesigned yeah. modals or something. And it's like there's still CodePen's in this like long transition, not drawn out. It's just the nature of it, how some some of CodePen was, you know, classically Ruby on Rails, and we've been slowly you know, started sprinkling React into the site, and then some areas were totally rewritten in it. And that work is literally still not done. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still some areas, uh, you know, notably the the pen editor and stuff, which is such a big one that's still kind of just a Rails-rendered rendered app. And oh, do you think we have a plan for that? Yeah, we sure do, you know? It's just that was a, that's such a big one that it's one of the, the last to fall down. Probably no surprise, I think we've mentioned it many times on the show, that editor is a huge target for us. And it's been the result of a, a lot of work, most of which we just can't talk about yet because not because we're trying to be squirrely or weird or anything. I just don't want to like set any expectations of this new editor without uh, getting a little closer to knowing what the final product is going to be like but you've done you've done a ton of work on that uh and that involves a whole slew of componentry and such too so that's pretty cool yeah and thinking about that too like even when i first started it was sort of intentional to go bit by bit through the site and improve instead of just improving all at once and i always think about I don't even know how many years ago, probably like two decades ago when eBay changed their background from yellow to white. And they, uh, if they did it immediately, all of their users freaked out about it, but they did it really gradually <laughs> and nobody you mean like cared. like different areas of the sites or they, they slowly tinted they the yellow They slowly down. tinted it. So it's like not, <laughs> it's, it's not as uh, extreme as that or uh, gradual as that, but uh I did want it to make an intentional of improving different parts of the site as we went on instead of just doing one big improvement all at once. Because mm-hmm. a lot of that is just like you add improvements as you go along to, you know, familiarize users with the new things, allow them to adapt, and then also just like be able to reevaluate as you go on. It's it's like such a huge risk to to release an entire redesign. Even if you do testing, like you're not testing it against your whole user base, so it's a huge risk. Settings was a big one. Um, it was mm. not only just the user settings of the site, but it like gave settings are so dense, you know, and, and complicated that there was a lot of patterns that like were birthed in settings that then sprinkled around the rest of the site too. And then pen settings are like different, but related and benefited from those patterns so anytime you're like changing inputs and select menus and radio buttons and stuff that was a bunch of work that was pretty satisfying to get out i feel like i uh redesigned pen settings a few times (laughs) yeah yeah 
But it was it was really the the global settings that really influenced pen settings overall. Yeah, yeah, they're they're connected despite of how Mm -hmm. how different they are and stuff. So it was cool. Then it's you know that remember even this the like the sidebar of the entire website was like a whole new journey that we went on. (laughs) That was pretty big. And then that that kind of okay stuff on the left vibe was like not just a trend in design but it's just become like that's just like how apps work now kind of <laughs> like every app yeah, has this I, like I, controls on the left i guess it like differentiates just something that is much more website content like a a content-based website versus an app i think yeah that you're probably right, but I mean, I, I'm just like looking across the, the my doc, and it's like, well, Spotify, of course, it's like that, and my my Git client is like that, and Notion is like that, and Front, our email client, is like that, and even Twitter is like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, that's satisfying, and then we we ended up u- using that more. So you know, the whole site bar is like that, but then you go into settings, and it has a kind of tabs on the left thing going on, and that's what ended up in pen settings too, and. Yeah, controls on the left, you know, it's the way to go, at least <laughs> not dogmatically, but for something. Yeah, I think it's important to like have this have this overarching grasp on, I guess, how different parts of the site how are designed and how that influences other parts. Because mm-hmm. you can you can just like go and and redesign different components, but unless you have a grasp over the whole thing and and how it how it influences each other, then it's not going to be as cohesive. Yeah, CodePen is a sprawling place, believe it or not. If you think it's simple, just work here for one week, and we'll show you how not simple it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> we mentioned the new homepage was kind of in this. It lives. It's a little unique because what you know, the homepage at any site is just a one-off weird beast. You know, it's hard to fit it into any system. But I guess conceptually, it's closest to our like landing pages, which that was a big job we did at one point. We like had this idea to make sure that we could manage the content in more like a CMS rather than having to like hand code our landing pages. Overall, a pretty big success, I think. We do them all in WordPress and it's block editor and such. But then you put together kind of the like a system for those pages that are like, you know, here's the big header and there's different kinds of headers. And then here's, you know, sometimes there's a row of cards, you know, they follow a pretty traditional-ish landing page like structure where it's, there's lots of information on the page and it's full of call to actions and, and stuff. And the homepage is a little bit in that category, but there's also like, what, I don't know, 10 landing pages of sorts that are like education-specific or team-specific or Mm feature-specific. Just drawing on all of my days, uh, my early days working for agencies where I would do uh, those types of websites over and over again. (laughs) Landing pages all day. That worked out pretty, pretty well for us too, and we'll continue to make them and refine them as we need to talk about different things. But now we have a system, you know? Exactly. Have that system. So the 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 Figma stuff really is a system. It's so advanced. How they, it's almost like I, I called them props yesterday. I don't even know what Figma is, but you have a zillion components in there that reflect pretty much every component we have available on Copen anyway. But on you know when we work with them in the code base, they're React components. And they have props, mm-hmm. and you send in variations and stuff like that. It's not like one to one in in Figma. Like I don't think you had any desire to like match what was happening in React necessarily. You just like invented variations for yourself for such that if you use like 
an icon or a, I don't know, a button component, you can say like, I don't know, icon on left or icon on right, rather than having to drag that crap around, you got it ready. So you just do a little drop down menu in Figment and just swap them for you. Yeah. And I guess like that speaks to also how the workflow of designing something in Figma is different than designing something in code. And you know, the the ways that you might be approaching it might be slightly different. So you might want to, you know, make things more efficient in Figma in different ways. Yeah, I have no desire to like in, to try to force those things to be the same. It just, I don't think there's a lot of like value there. I could see people being, having pressure to do that, to have like, well, they're the same system, so they should have the same props and the same variations, <laughs> you know? Like, no, but one is serving the explorative nature of a designer, and one of them is just like how we express designs in code, and they just don't have to be one-to-one, and that feels right. like a losing battle. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. There was like one point where I thought, oh, this would be great if like the single source of truth was the code, but it's exactly like you said. It it should be exploratory. You should be able to you know, break out of some patterns if you need to, and you should be able to have the freedom to explore new ideas and new concepts. Yeah, it never seemed like you were too holy about whatever was happening in Figma anyway. It's not like you, like, busted that out in meetings and was like, look at Figma or anything like that. Like, what actually matters is what goes into the code design system because that's what users actually see and interact with. I mean, that's... At the end of the day, that, that that's what matters. So, and we don't really have storybook or anything. We never really like invested a couple of like false starts on having a more like code of you know like a place where everybody like puts the components. And we, I don't know what would you even call that. <laughs> what, what's one? One of them we used earlier was called the one from Clear Left. Fractal. I can't even remember the name. Of it. Yeah, yeah, we tried Fractal, and we kind of set it up, but then nobody used it. So. Yeah, and I think that's the point of 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 like having some sort of design system too is that it has to be referenced in places that people look and if it is just off on its own that nobody is using it and it's not being referenced then it's just going to be forgotten about especially if you like you don't have a team of people working on that and updating it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was kind of after the fact and it just more like seemed like a good idea than really was a, I don't know. Yeah, and I feel like a a lot of companies too, they started off with their design systems, not as a way to, you know, make things more consistent, but as a way to they like, have public perception of their design teams be better. Mm. And like most of their design systems were public as a way to like bring in uh I guess more 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 like leadership into into the overall design community there. I think that's exactly right. Isn't that part of the discussion around design systems? Is like if you can be public about it, it's like your way of telling, showcasing to the world and new potential employees, look how seriously we take design here at right. Widget Corp. That perception has kind of shifted in the past few years too, where design systems are becoming much more about being consistent and being useful overall and trying to tie into the overall design and product philosophy and, and life cycles that companies go through instead of being a marketing tool for a design team. So I like the way that it, that's trending. I was, I was confused by it all along because I'm like, if you already did it, then why do you need me? 
Like now I get to just be the janitor for your already existing design system. <laughs> oh, what a cool job. Can't wait to do that. You know, some people love design infrastructure, but I, I am not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> the one we actually use is one shop put together. That's just kind of like, it's, it, I don't even know how it works exactly, but it just like loops over our folder of what we call library components and spits out this little like examples of usage of each component. So nobody has to maintain it. There's no file really that represents usage of that component. I think he wrote it so like if you want to put an example file in a component, you can and that that's like a little opportunity to showcase variations of itself, but you don't have to. And it's kind of neat because where he put it is in our admin app, which we use for all kinds of crap. So like locationally, it's in a spot that you actually, it like spins up with the rest of the dev environment. And it, I think that's kind of what you're trying to say, right? If like there's some app that you have to separately spin up that you never look at, you're not going to be there. But because this is sitting alongside everything else in our app, we actually do kind of use it. Exactly. And like it kind of speaks to... Like that started off as reference. And then a lot of the stuff that I was doing also had textual documentation along with it. So that when you combine those two things together, you have the reference of the components itself. What should I use? And then the documentation behind it. Why should I use this? And when should I use this? Right. You do have, there is some degree of that. Now. I mean, you're big on documentation, period, kind of, I'd say. You know, you helped us. That was a big, big part of the work that you did at CodePen was helping us organize our project management and, you know, team meeting structure and all kinds of stuff like that. There, there's a little bit less of that, like, straight up design documentation, like, in our notion, only because, like, I don't know that we need it. Right. And a lot of that exists in Figma, yeah, I feel like this it's just the nature of where you're where we're doing design and where we're doing design after we talk about concepts is mostly in Figma or code. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's different pe- people's personalities in some some way. I'm sure I'm sure if there was like robust design documentation in in Notion like D would voraciously read it probably, but <laughs> Uh, I probably wouldn't. It's just because we have different personalities, I guess. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know how much it's worth getting into all the Notion stuff. But, yeah, we really really doubled down on organizing big projects through somewhat complex Kanbaning structure that you largely set up. So project management is certainly in your wheelhouse as well. Yeah. I feel like that was a huge thing, too. That's just, it's it's not necessarily a common thing when you think about, oh, what are all the uh, responsibilities of a designer? And that ended up taking a lot of a lot of the uh, time that I had, especially in the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it, maybe it isn't a design thing, but like you're also like a human being with, you know, a brain and fingers and can do more than just move rectangles around or whatever. So sometimes those rectangles are Kanban cards. Yeah, but I, I think I saw of it saw it as like an organizational design challenge. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I can tell that we're struggling in this area. Okay, now I've identified the problem. How do I use design to fix this? Yeah, the problem was, you know, actual employees being like, what's going on? What's next? Yeah. What's a priority? What's, you know... And and everybody at every level having that same question 
And so what's now exists is like, if anybody is you're like, you're almost like not allowed to have that thought because you're like, well, then you <laughs> didn't look at the Kanban, did you? Because it clearly spells that out uh, because the cards are there and they're prioritized and they're in the right slice. And you're a part of one of those versions and yada, yada. So I think we pretty much solved that much like we solved where's, where's my work when I log in for users. We solved yeah. the, what's <laughs> happening right now at CodePen through, yeah. through organization in a way. That user testing stuff is all is all documented in, in Notion as well, which is nice. You let up a lot of that stuff, like what is an interview like? What do we hope to get from it? How do we take notes on it? What What's the structure like once we have somebody willing to participate in it? That kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like that was a, definitely an important part about building new concepts that we just like weren't very sure about. To get more information surrounding that and to actually talk to people who use CodePen was so important. And I loved bringing in you and Dee in order to take notes and actually sit in on the process and, and hear those things firsthand. Nice. So what's next? Huh? What you, we never we got to the point where you're leading up a, a staff. We don't, didn't really have any reports, unfortunately, at CodeBen. Is that going to change? Are you going to, it's designed more like leadership role at, at GitHub, right? So I'll be a design manager at GitHub. And I guess like I don't, I mean, I haven't started yet, so I, I don't have that much information. <laughs> But I'll be leading up a small team. Okay. And you don't even know on what, I mean, it could be secret. I don't know. But is it, I sometimes you're like, I work I mean, on... I won't know for sure until I start, so. Okay. They can tell you whatever they can tell Just sometimes you hear people are like, I worked on pull requests at GitHub or something. They tend to be really specific right. about like what aspects they they work on for whatever reason. Yeah. I like I have a rough idea, but I am not... Like until I start, I am not entirely sure that it's it's set. Yeah, I wonder what similarities they. I mean, you're still you're going to be. It's going to be for for coders, so that will be similar. Mm -hmm. It's going to have a design system, so that's similar. It's gonna. It, I think it has some Ruby on Rails roots, so that'll be similar. The scale, eh, not so similar. Let's say a little different. <laughs> <laughs> the amount yeah, in, in all ways, like how many many people use it, what the processes are, I bet will be super different. And just, you know, I bet I bet the Slack is a little busier. <laughs> I bet some, More people. Some, something like thousands, probably. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things, especially about the design team at GitHub, is that they are basically doubling in size right now. And mm. they stayed the same size for many years and wanted to be, you know, small and scrappy and... It just came to a point where they knew that they had to expand and they had to envision what the structure of their design team was going to look like and how they had to hire for those positions. So it's it's definitely an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. Well, congratulations. I hope it's awesome. I'm, I'm sure it will be. It looks, you know, they they famously have very good design and good taste and produce great products that the the people of the world love. So you get to be make your mark over there. It's very exciting and congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, right on. We'll say goodbye then. I mean, I have a few more days with Claire, but it'll probably be the last time on the podcast. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh, all right. See you later. Bye. Zero, three, one, eight.